This is Culture A Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and this is a show where we'll deep dive on the good and the bad with Middle East HR and talent experts on their challenges, strategies, and success stories to inspire your own journey. Listen in and get ready to unlock potential and drive results with Culture A. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on Culture A. Today, we're diving deep into the world of talent in luxury hospitality sector, which is a new sector for me. We haven't covered it before on the podcast, so I'm super excited. When I think about the intersection of top tier HR practices and luxury hotels, there's really only one name that comes to mind, and that's Carrie Robbins. Carrie's been at the forefront of talent management with the renowned Jumeirah Group for over a decade, from starting out as an HR manager focusing on recruitment and assessment to her current role as senior director for talent. Her journey is both inspiring and enlightening. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> and thank you so much for that lovely introduction. Of course. <laughs> no, it's a testament to your career. I saw that you've been with them for 10 years, which is really incredible. So I'm very interested to hear more about you and for our listeners to learn more about you. So let's dive right into our conversation. Perfect. Sounds good. Okay. Let's give our listeners a little bit of a better understanding on your personal journey and uh, kind of the experiences that led you to become the senior director for talent at Jumeirah Group. Sure. So I think when I think right back of what I wanted to do when I'm at when I was at school, and actually for many school children, I don't think anyone actually says I want to work in HR. It's usually a, a doctor, teacher, right. zookeeper, maybe, but not HR. And I would say that's probably true for myself as well. It wasn't really at that point a clear ambition. But when I graduated from university, doing the subjects that I really liked academically, I was looking around for graduate careers, and I found a role within a recruitment agency and I found very quickly that I actually just fell in love with hearing about people on a professional level I loved understanding people's stories I loved understanding what kind of role they liked what kind of job they liked and what kind of company they liked and wanted to really make a match with that the one thing that I didn't love on behalf of working as a recruitment agency was actually working on behalf of lots of different clients Mm -hmm. so I found that I wanted to work in a company where I felt a great sense of culture, a great sense of pride and really loved everybody that I was working with on a a bigger scale. So fast forward, I guess, from there, I learned my talent acquisition early career in retail in the UK. I moved to Dubai and quite quickly found Jumeirah. Mm-hmm. And really that love for finding people across all different levels of the organization and fitting into a company that I'm now really, really proud to have worked for for mm-hmm. 10 years. Um, Jumeirah is a great local champion here mm-hmm. in Dubai. Mm-hmm. I know, Sarah, you're from Dubai. So when you commented <laughs> earlier saying Jumeirah and luxury hospitality is really top of mind absolutely mm-hmm. all of our colleagues have a wonderful sense of pride working for Jumeirah here mm-hmm. and it's a real privilege for me to be able to speak to people about our organization understand whether they will fit and and how it works so really that's I guess how I landed here I think I've had five different roles since being in Jumeirah that have developed from one to the next and and that's really that's really me <laughs> 
It's super interesting. I mean, first of all, you rarely see people that are within the same organization for such a long period of time. You don't see that anymore. So that, for me, validates what kind of an organization it must be, what kind of a culture they must have to be able to retain talent like that for so long. It's also very interesting, your journey, how you ended up in TA. It's very similar to my own. I started the same way. Okay. I wasn't looking for it. I went into an agency and it kind of it found me. And you are one of well, I would say probably the majority of my guests have said the same thing. They didn't. They weren't seeking out a role mm. in HR. It found them. So I think this is the commonality of our all of us in this industry. It sounds. It sounds like you've had a great, great stint with them. And yes, I've been here for 27 years. Jamera is top mm. of mind. I mean, myself just on a personal level. Like when I travel, it's also one of the groups that I look for. You know, so it's incredible. And I think to touch upon that, you know, we are we are 26 hotels at the moment mm. and growing. It's we insane. are. Yeah, and it's amazing. <laughs> to think in 1997 we opened Jamira Beach Hotel right it was it was one hotel yeah. right and mm -hmm. now 26 years later actually yeah so it's 26 years 26 hotels and now we've got that amazing foundation across Asia Europe the Middle East mm -hmm. we're perhaps not exactly top of mind in some of the European cities mm -hmm. and really I think that's where we're seeing a lot of growth now or our ambitions for the future at least. But for people here in Dubai, either as a guest or an employee, Jamira is mind. so top of yeah. mind, which is wonderful. Yeah. And it's so funny because I don't think I don't think that way. You know, for me, I'm mm. like, Jamira would always be top of mind. <laughs> you don't think about, you know, uh, people who don't live here who aren't sort of familiar with the brand, but it is such a strong brand. Mm. And in terms of quality is such a strong brand. I'm very curious to learn more about your journey internally with mm. them. But I, I have a couple of things that I want to touch on specifically so I'm going to jump in if that's sure, okay of course. okay let's talk about your ability to build really high performing teams because from what I understand that's one of your niches you know how to drive results okay mm. which is hard to do <laughs> it's very hard to mm. cultivate can you maybe share with us like examples of how you maybe nurture your team just to make sure that they're productive and focused on delivery but at the same time are alleviating let's say manual tasks that can be kind of automated or they're making sure to build those relationships with man managers how do you how do you make sure they have the right focus I, look, I think, first of all, I've, I've always approached managing anyone, a, a team or an individual. And I, I've gone through several roles where perhaps they're more strategic when I only have one or two people reporting mm -hmm. to me to larger roles with, with teams of 15, 20 people. And I've always really approached a person or someone working in my team with really human values. You know, I think being kind, mm -hmm. and I don't mean being soft, but being kind and human is always really important when you're managing teams. Secondly, delegation is really important for me. I think if you're assisting on something versus accountable for something is really important. Mm -hmm. So I never really treat somebody as my assistant. If they are in my team doing a task, I want to ensure they're fully accountable for that. So in the world of talent acquisition, that means, for example, if a member of my team is handling a role, they are full and free to go and meet that line manager. I don't need to be there. Mm -hmm. I don't need to babysit. And luckily in Jumeirah, we do have an absolutely amazing culture where everybody's really approachable. It's an open plan office in the corporate office, which means you can speak to our chief officers at any time, speak to our senior vice presidents. Everybody's very approachable. So it's, it's easier said than, right. than done. And it's, it's 
practical in Jamira, it's extremely easy. Maybe not in every organization, I can't comment, but it's a great journey I've had in Jamira because everybody is very approachable. I think having things like individual development plans are very important as well. Mm -hmm. This is a team effort. It's what someone sees within themselves that they wish to develop and also things that maybe we recognize that they're not aware of. And this can be anything from maybe analysis or Excel skills up to having certain conversations with certain people. So I've always just taken a very individual approach as well. Everybody's different. Yeah, I'm completely aligned with that. I think for me, I'm just going to speak on my own, my own experience. When I was actively recruiting myself, okay, prior to managing a team, I always wanted to make sure that I had really strong relationships with my managers. I wanted to make sure that I was over delivering on what I needed to. And in the sense that I wasn't, I'm not producing too much, but I'm producing the right quality. I wanted to make sure they trusted me to have conversations with them. Like I had this way of kind of approaching my own work that when I moved into a managerial role and I was leading a team, it was hard for me to break away from ensuring excellence by being too involved. Like Mm -hmm. that was the one thing that I struggled with is that delegation piece, that ownership piece. And it was something that I really had to learn with time on how, how to make sure that your team can can be accountable for what they're delivering on and how do you actually provide them with the right tools or resources for them to grow that capability within that and i found just like you that the best way to do it was to have those regular connects just talk about what are they looking for what do they need to work on what are they doing really well at how can they help other team members and that pushed me into a point where I had team members that were really excelling. So I relate to you completely on that because I don't think that there's a one size fits all at all when it comes to productive teams. You know? Yeah, so. absolutely. And another real rule of thumb that I've always followed is don't ask someone to do something that you're not prepared to do yourself. Right. And I know that for myself, working with leaders around the organization, I'm more inspired to do things when I see them doing things. Mm-hmm. So for example, our chief human resources officer does a lot of interviews herself. I work very closely with her on our senior hires into Jamira. And sometimes we co-interview and that's really nice because Mm. I can see how she interviews and that inspires me. So I like to do the same. I like to show my team, whether it's running mass assessment centers. Last week I did five days solid of career fairs interviewing students um, across Switzerland. (laughs) So I I want to maybe say I, I met and spoke to 60, 70 people every single day for five days straight. So I want to show that I still do that. And it's because I love talent acquisition, right? Still that fundamental Mm -hmm. of loving to hear what people want to do professionally. And that's right from if they are students looking for an internship up to senior vice presidents into the organization. It's still very interesting for me. So I feel by going and showing that I'm prepared to do five to 700 interviews across five days and do business travel, that also then that inspires teams around us to want to do the same. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Um, I'm not sure if you've done volume recruitment yourself, Sarah, but it's hard going. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Um, (laughs) You want to lie down in a cold, dark room at the end of the day and speak to nobody. You're like, I'm done. Yeah, Yeah, and that's because you put so much effort in. You want to engage 
engage with every single person in front of you and that's really important but it's not easy Mm-mm. so for me always asking to do some people to do things that I'm prepared to do myself and love myself I also think inspires great performance in teams that's that's a really good one I used to I think my colleagues used to find it very annoying probably but <laughs> there were times where I would interview candidates specifically through COVID there was a period of time where we had just transitioned into maybe going back into the office mm. a few times so we were all in that environment but our candidates were not coming mm. in in person and so I would interview individuals over a call and I would do it in the room where we were all working everyone could hear me interviewing mm. and some of my interviews go on for quite a long time sometimes I probe quite a bit I can go on and on okay so yeah. but I did it as irritating as it probably was for everyone else I did it because my team were able to hear you know how do you ask questions what are you asking mm. how do you probe how do you give feedback on the spot I think which is like a big thing that a lot of people didn't do but for me the key one was how to probably actively listen to the information that you're getting versus trying to go through a list of questions that you may have prepared and the reason this has popped into my head is because you said you know speaking to 60 70 students in a day at a career fair is exhausting because you're listening to everything that they're saying and you are you're reciprocating, you're providing them feedback, you're you're trying to tune into what makes sense for Jumeirah, you're assessing. And that's where I think the, the exhaustion comes from, so I can understand. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And it's not exhaustion from doing so many interviews because it's tiring. It, it, it's just the active listening, exactly, as mm. you say. Mm. And I have to say, I had the same energy at the end of day five that I had at the beginning of day one, yeah. because every single person that, that walked through the door that showed an interest in Jumeirah, I wanted to give them my full attention, represent the band really, really well Mm. and understand if actually they could be a fit for us. So That's amazing. (laughs) Well, props to you. It's hard work. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about building relationships in in TA. We kind of touched on it through Mm. all of this. Can you share with me, I mean, okay, let's take a step back. Within talent acquisition, you're constantly networking. You're that first touch point with individuals outside of the organization. You're the first touch point as a partner to your business stakeholders, to leadership. And you're representing not only the brand, but also the function. So for me, this all comes down to a form of networking. Okay. How would you say that you your networking efforts translate or translated, let's say, in the past to maybe an unexpected opportunity or like a talent pool that you could have mm. sourced from that you didn't expect to find? Do you have an example of something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So probably recency thinking mm-hmm. about last week in Switzerland. It's an amazing week because all of the employers within luxury hospitality actually attend the fairs together. It's very much a roadshow. So okay. you can imagine that often we stay in the same hotels, we see each other at coffees, and it's not really just the students, mm-hmm. but it's meeting people from other brands as well. So that networking is very important because I actually had people from other brands come and give me their business card and say can I give you a call next week I'm actually looking for for something Amazing. new yeah so it's wonderful I know that's not the intention of those but the networking naturally mm-hmm. is great because of that equally another fundamental that I really follow in talent acquisition is around the candidate experience mm-hmm. so if we think about doing a really great job in talent acquisition it means that we interview far more people than one person per job mm-hmm. so you're actually reducing 
rejecting or declining more people than you are accepting. Mm -hmm. And that often can feel not very nice at all. But for myself, I want to give everybody, even those candidates that apply and don't necessarily hear from us, a wonderful experience, whether that's application, interview, just a, a brief conversation and understanding from both sides, actually, you're not right. And from a surprising perspective, I've had then a network of people being referred to me from people that actually I've declined declined for roles um, (laughs) to say, okay, I had such a lovely experience speaking to you or a member of your team. I've seen another vacancy. I know somebody, maybe I could put them forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's amazing, actually, to say when you decline somebody, but it's been a good experience for them to actually recommend somebody else for a role. So that's quite a surprise for, for me as well. Candidate experience is something that I could probably do 10 episodes on. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Yeah, It's so important and it's so lost in so many organizations. It's Mm -hmm. like a, it's something that's so, you can, you can implement simplified ways of ensuring that you have given your candidates a good experience from application to onboarding and after. And it's something that I think so many companies just kind of disregard because because of the nature of the role, because of the number of candidates that would apply, because of the, you know, the the fact that they need to sift through so many applications that you get here. Many of them are irrelevant. So there's a a number of reasons why companies don't have them. But from my own actual experience, when I've been out in the market actively looking for something, because I come from a TA background, that's one of the first things that I'm assessing myself. Mm -hmm. How do they interact with me from my application? You know, what kind of response am I getting or at all? Am I getting anything? Absolutely. You know, and what does that look like and you know so it's it's great to see that there is that emphasis I, I'm not surprised by it though because at the end of the day it's Jumeirah group you mm. know and that standard that quality we're a trickles. people business yes exactly we, we serve guests which actually mean that even in our corporate office, in some roles that are very far away from the day-to-day guest service. Actually, I take that back. There's no roles that are that far away from (laughs) guest service because it's just a real passion of everybody that that works there, whether you're in finance, Mm -hmm. HR, IT. We are a a guest-serving business and guest is always top of mind. But for a lot of roles that aren't guest-facing, it's really important to have that positive impression. But I know what you mean and Mm -hmm. I have worked in organizations prior to Jumeirah where a line manager perhaps thinks that the candidate just has to impress me only. Right. But we all believe in Jumeirah of how much recruitment is a two-way process. There's the part of it of us finding a fit to the to the candidate and we saying, yes, we like you, we'd like to offer you a role. But the candidate always has to say yes as well. So, and, and it's a choice. And I think really when you connect with a candidate, answer all of their questions, respect exactly where they're thinking, they join and accept so more readily. Mm-hmm. And then things like package are not so important. It's really about connecting with the company. And that's really top of mind. And to be honest, that's most of the questions that I get now around things like culture and Mm -hmm. workplace, as opposed to some of the things that we maybe thought more of 20 years ago. So yes, I agree with you, Sarah. I think we could talk all day about candidate experience. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) And actually, you make a really good point. It's true. And I've said this before, there's a shift in what candidates are looking for, what their expectations are. We're no longer operating in a space where everyone's a job seeker. And I think that's how it was seen previously. Like, the, you know, you're actively looking for a job and so are so many other people. And what makes you special? We are a company. You should be happy to join us. Mm-hmm. That was the that was kind of the 
uh, I don't know the word for it, but that was that was the way it was kind of seen previously, I think. And now it's totally the opposite. It's completely 180 where it, mm -hmm. everything is very candidate run. There's a really strong pool of talent in the market. People are not actively hunting for a role. Recruitment teams have to be much more proactive. How are you speaking with people? What are you enticing them with? And to your point, when you give them a good experience, what I have found is, is, as you said, at the end of the process, when you are in that negotiation phase or you're at that offer stage, they're much more honest about what they are looking for. So I've actually had conversations with candidates where they're like, look, the package is great, but actually this one element, you know, and they're much more open about it. And I can relate. I can relate mm -hmm. to what they're saying and I can take that information back and I can see what I can do. And so you're building this relationship with someone from the get-go and it's much more open and honest. And when they join, they'll never forget you. They'll never forget the person that brought them mm. on board. They'll never forget the conversations they had or how they felt through their experience. And it translates in how they apply themselves, I think, in their day to day. 100%. Yeah. Okay, let's jump a little bit. I'm going to move on to mentorship and coaching, okay, because this is a topic that's come up in so many of my other podcasts. It's obviously a very large topic. It's very important. And I believe your LinkedIn profile kind of showcases that you have a dedication to mentorship and coaching. So can you maybe share an example of how mentoring a junior professional within TA not only benefited their career, but how it also maybe enhanced your own perspective on something? Yeah, I think I've got one example, actually, and it, it kind of sounds really backwards because the individual was working with me in TA and now they have gone into a HR generalist role. Okay. So on the face of it, it kind of sounds like I did a bad job of mentoring <laughs> this person because They're they've gone. now <laughs> moved away from talent acquisition. But yeah. I think that's the beauty in mentorship, that it's not about you. It's about the person that you are mentoring. Mm -hmm. So HR has many different sides of it, whether engagement, payroll, um, um, onboarding, offboarding, talent acquisition, and you can be a generalist or you can be a specialist. Mm -hmm. And I think people move between the two. So I had someone working with me as an assistant manager in talent acquisition, and she was a fantastic colleague, but she was really at that crossroads to think, do I want to be a talent acquisition specialist or do I want to work in, in HR? And actually she found that she wanted to be a HR generalist, but I still mentored her through that journey. Mm -hmm. So what I did when she was working with me was make sure there was plentiful opportunities for her to gain exposure into different areas and we had a good development plan for that. She then moved out to the corporate office into one of our properties as a HR manager and I'm proud to say today she's one of the HR directors of one of our properties oh, wow. looking after several hundreds of colleagues and we still check in from a mentoring or coaching perspective. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, really proud to have that. It also doesn't have to be someone in your own department right, right? right and I think coaching's probably better sometimes if it's not in your department so I had a coach and there's someone separated from me and it actually gave me a different perspective when mm -hmm. I was asking questions because they could give me something or perspective outside of HR or really knowing the dynamics of my department when it's a mentorship I think it really has to be within your own department because then you can give a little bit more of that substantial advice yeah. But yes, look, everybody that I've had working in 
in my team at any time, I've always kept connected to. And I think that first six months, maybe in a new role is actually really important. So I still check in on that individual every week and see if there's anything I can help with, anything that they need. And then there's probably a lack of formality to it naturally, organically at some stage. But I've just had someone, for example, who worked with me for about four years moving to Dubai Holding, who which mm. is our holding company. Mm-hmm. And we are at the moment having a weekly check-in just to make sure she's okay. And if there's anything that I can help with, I know that helps her. And it also helps me. I, I get a lot out of mentoring and, and coaching because you really get to understand different things outside of your norm as well. And sometimes it might make you think, actually, how would I approach that if I was, I was gonna the same say that. person? Yeah. You know, this yeah. is an interesting challenge. So you also find challenges yourself by mentoring and and coaching and it could be down to maybe when your children get a little bit older Sarah actually doing their homework you start relearning things (laughs) Um, but I think it's the same with mentoring and coaching right you you Mm -hmm. learn as well so Mm -hmm. even though we think it's great for the coachee or mentee actually it's it's wonderful for yourself for the mentor absolutely and I have I have similar experiences to that as well you know I I made a shift in my career at one point Mm -hmm. and I I was asked really early on in this new career of mine to mentor someone who was in the same team. And when I was asked, I remember thinking, oh God, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm the right mentor because I'm at the at this new place and, you know, okay, let's see. And I, I accepted we would have catch-ups and very quickly it actually made me realize that I knew more than I thought, mm-hmm. that I excelled in areas that I didn't know I did. So you're right. You learn a lot about yourself and you also very quickly uncover where do you need help yourself on some some things, you know, so it's a very useful practice to put in place. And I'm a big believer on having more than one mentor, several mentors, depending on what you're getting mentorship for, you know, whether it's something that is functionally relevant or maybe for like a soft skill or whatever it might be. So it's, it's, it does make you reflect a lot. And I think that's what's so beneficial about it. Yeah, it was funny, actually, I had a piece of advice recently. And what you've just said really made me think of this. Mm. Because I think mentors are really important. So definitely, a huge piece of advice for me is always have mentors around you. Mm. But probably the best mentors are the ones that actually don't know that they are your mentors. Mm. Because That's if you one. go to someone in a senior role and you say, will you be my mentor? They're instantly thinking, okay, so I'm going to have to spend time on this, right. put effort into this. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you just have a really great relationship that maybe at the end of a meeting or in the coffee, I would say, can I just ask your opinion on something? Then actually you're gaining their experience. They, right. they don't know it. Uh, but (laughs) But it works uh, in your favor it works yeah yeah and I think if I if I was to ask how many mentors do you have gosh so many and I go to lots of people for different advice because I love the way that they approach things but if you ask them are you Kerry's mentor they probably wouldn't say say yes (laughs) they're just like am I oh I don't know I mean I you know give her advice from time to time (laughs) she's in my office a fair amount but um so I think those natural mentors are really important in your career journey as well that's that's actually a really good piece of advice and and honestly in one of one of the episodes that I released recently I was speaking with somebody Germana O'Day and she was talking about how she was on a call she was on a call for work she was in a group a group call 
And there was somebody on the call that was so direct, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit borderline harsh, but very direct. They said what they needed to say and everybody on the call understood it. And it was very clear where the person stood. And she said, you know what? I, I don't have the ability to do that. So she, she literally messaged the person on the side right after the call and said, hey, the way you did that was mm -hmm. amazing. Like, you know, it would, how, like, how did you do that or something along those lines? Yeah. And they ended up, you know, informally becoming a mentor about this specific topic or subject. And she said that she's learning so much from this person, you know, so it's true. You can just pick it up very informally and maybe yeah. sometimes it's, you know, better suited to you because then you can have a casual conversation, really kind of pick their brain, brain versus, okay, every week at Tuesday, a Tuesday yeah. at 11 o'clock. It's never going to happen. It's never right? going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to happen. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Let's touch on continuous learning for a moment because mm -hmm. to be able to excel in a career like yours you have to adapt you have to evolve you have to remain agile you need to climb up the corporate ladder by adding mm -hmm. more into your bucket of learning okay so it's crucial for career development do you have specific resources or maybe a specific course or like an experience that you could recommend for other ta professionals that want to aim to stay ahead of trends, industry trends? Is there something you can pinpoint? Yeah, there's a few things. I, okay. I think there's, for me, two things that have sprung to mind. So very individually in Jamira, we have an amazing learning and development department. So mm. access to leadership pathways, which teach a lot of soft skill development. So I would always recommend people to access these soft skill development around things like doing a great performance review, how to develop your team goals and things like okay. this. So don't underestimate things that don't seem so hard mm -hmm. academically mm -hmm. and don't seem so structured because these kind of leadership courses or development is really important, whether that's things around managing conflict or or whatever it might be. I think those soft skills are, I've got some great skill development from those types of things. LinkedIn learning, I think is an mm -hmm. excellent one. It's something that we use a lot in Jumeirah and that really allows someone to personalize their learning journey in terms of what they would like. For myself, I did a master's when I was 28 and mm -hmm. I think going back to the the beginning when I said you know I came out of my studies not really knowing where I wanted to go mm -hmm. I focused on um, English and media because those were the things that I enjoyed doing as an 18 year old and mm -hmm. that was the best I could do then <laughs> right. but when I was 27 28 I was very much like I know that HR is for me so I gained my master's then um, online learning extremely tough to do mm -hmm. whilst you are balancing life life mm. uh, and that for me at the time was work it was young children mm -hmm. or, or pregnancy put it that way mm -hmm. and and also the masters the great thing about a lot of masters courses now are you can do them online remote and it's flexible so I think mine in in essence took around three years to do which wasn't intentional when I started it mm -hmm. but actually was brilliant because I was learning academically for those three years mm -hmm on and off and it was all research-based and elective so you could really hone in and that was really great for me as well so I would say two things the soft skill development keep it going keep doing lots naturally and organically throughout mm. your professional career but when you really know that you want to do something looking at some of these postgraduates or masters from renowned universities will really add a lot to your your career as well that's a really good tip honestly and so many people don't view it that way they always think you know, I've started my career. I don't have the 
the time. I have, you know, mm-hmm. family. Like, when am I supposed to fit it in? Or, you know, and it's so easy to just disregard it. And it adds so much to your plate. Well, in a very good way, you know, in a beneficial yeah. way. It adds so much to your plate. That's a really, really good tip. I want to kind of wrap up with one last question. Sure. Okay. <laughs> it's a question that I ask all of my guests. So what would your top piece of advice be for an HR professional that's just starting out their career, that's Mm -hmm. one, and those seasoned HR professionals, what would your top, top piece of advice be for both of them? I think for both, a real general piece of advice is, I I know it's hard when you're managing a workload, but I really try never to say no. Okay. So that maybe sounds like I'm really, really busy. Yeah, you're taking a lot on, (laughs) I was going to say. Taking a lot on, but by, I think, being very approachable and being extremely open it opens doors that you don't think about. Mm -hmm. So it might be, have you thought about this element in your career? Have you thought about that? So I'm not necessarily talking about when you're sitting with your line manager saying, yes, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Because (laughs) that's not, maybe not always uh, the best way to do it. But when someone says, did you want to, have you thought about attending this conference? What about this course? Would you like to work on this project? Mm. Try and and find ways to do it because you will learn more and more. if you're someone that says no, it ends up, I think, closing a few doors mm-hmm. here and there. So being extremely approachable. For talent acquisition in, in general, and I think either somebody starting out and doing lots of interviews or even someone really seasoned in talent acquisition, stay curious. Mm-hmm. Um, so curiosity is really, for me, the most important skill or value. It's probably not necessarily skill. It's a value, I think, that I hold. Because every interview that I enter, I want to know about that person mm-hmm. genuinely mm-hmm. and from the heart. And at times when I'm not curious, it doesn't deliver the right the right results. You always mm-hmm. want to have to ask questions. And I think the average five-year-old asks a hundred questions, mm-hmm. hundreds of questions mm-hmm. a day. And somehow when we get older, that stops. But just think in that mentality, keep asking all of the questions. No interviewee is going to go into mind or no colleague from that from that level either. So I think curiosity is a value, maybe not even just for talent acquisition, but when you're speaking to colleagues and leaders, really keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one, honestly. It resonates with me a lot. My my husband always jokes, he makes fun of me because he says you're always he says you're always so challenging. I say, I'm not challenging. I just want to know. <laughs> like I want to know more. You know, I want to know why I want to know more. So Mm. you're right. Ask the questions. I like how you put it. The average five-year-old, my three-year-old asks me a million questions a day and I try my best to answer all of them. And I get to the point sometimes where I can't, I can't keep answering. So keep asking the questions because you learn a lot. And that's a really good one. Carrie, thank you so much. This was really nice having you on the show. I, I really appreciate your time and giving people a chance to learn more about you, learn more about your approach and just what it's like to work at Jumeirah has been great. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. And it, and it's a pleasure. You know, it's a, a company that is a privilege to work for, mm-hmm. uh, honestly. And I, I could talk all day about the matter of talent acquisition. Yeah. So thank you, Sarah, for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. And I hope to have you back on the show, probably maybe in the future. It'd be nice. Of course. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening in with us today. For those of you who are with us, please like, share and subscribe to Culture A. For any questions to myself or to Carrie, feel free to reach out and uh, we're happy to have that conversation. Thank you again, everybody.